Review this again. You are in your car, Casey. Yes, I am. <laughs> this would be the this would be the first yes. Church Mag podcast where one of the members is doing this from their car. Which is, as I see you in the car, I'm thinking that is brilliant for acoustics. Honestly, yeah, it actually it's working out pretty well here. I can hear you guys just fine, and apparently I'm coming through clear, so that's perfect. I feel like we could do the um, Phil joke a little differently, whereas Phil is it's all about the visual. Casey, we can make fun of you of, no, you listen to it in the car. You don't record it in the car. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Now, we would have Phil with us, but um, Phil has to sell his house or something like some adult responsible, I don't Lame. know. People with house issues need to just not do podcasts. <laughs> right, Jeremy. Because <laughs> <laughs> I look at Eric. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, you know, and I'll get a picture of the desk because my wife and I are pretty pleased with this desk for what we spent on the supplies you know we have a better desk it's custom and not custom tongue-in-cheek oh, so wait wait so you went the old school you know do-it-yourself american way and built yourself a desk yes yes i we, we purchased wood and then i used screws and a power tool and a handsaw what's voila where do you buy wood in italy like do they have lumber yards at at the store casey where no no right, you, no no you, no like fred you, like, you know you you're scale, not going to the, you scale store, the like... swiss alps you find a tree of course you go to the store no <laughs> in all seriousness they have a place called obi which is kind of like a, a home depot ish kind of place the real question is are we recording because that was awesome yes i am because i've learned Jeremy, that most of the awesome... You hit record right away. Yeah, most of the awesome happens before and after the podcast. It's true. <laughs> okay, so I don't sound like I asked that question in complete idiocy. Like, my dad worked in a lumber yard, and I know Italy is a lot smaller than the U.S., so, like, I don't know, is it, like... You know, where would you go to buy two-by-fours? Casey, you can explain all you want, but the context at the end will not have it. That's all I'm saying. Right, right. Because I'll, I'll edit out the part where you sound smart. <laughs> curse, curse you. It's kind of a bell curve podcast, you know? Absolutely. All right. Now, normally, now if I said normally we had a, a topic picked out ahead of time, that would be a lie, wouldn't it, Jeremy? That would be a lie. <laughs> we call you a liar. <laughs> but we're not going to do another off-the-cuff but not John Acuff because that's going to – that might go next. So um, for 2014, a number of trends that have been highlighted, which I th find it funny that they're saying 2014 because, you know, it's almost half over, but um, is where social media, like the digital world, meets the real world. And how it's kind of like social media 2.0, maybe 3.0, I don't know, where social media has to tie into the real world, otherwise it's a waste. Can you guys make up stuff that sounds smart about that? Oh, sure. Yes. I, make up stuff. I have three kids. I make up stuff that sounds smart all the time. Mm, that's a good point, <laughs> Casey. <laughs> My my wife says my superpower is making up crap on the spot. You know, your blog posts are starting to make a lot of sense now. <laughs> Thanks. I think we I, found the per I, I think we found the perfect filler for Phil. I'm just saying. I, I I aim to please. I have a background in producing talk radio where you don't really have to know anything at all. You just sound like you do and you be really passionate about it. So it's really the same kind of skill set, really. It, well, it really is because, like, your kids will ask you a question, and if it's not substantial enough, they'll just keep asking why. 
and and that just derails into insanity and you know you end up living in a box on the street and it's just it's not a good place to be in it's not <laughs> and my wife just interrupted the podcast the unofficial beginning of the podcast and piped in that i use that skill set all the time so <laughs> it's Danny? it's it's kind of a rite of passage as a father i could argue it but it wouldn't withstand logic <laughs> right you'd be making up crap on the spot to argue that you don't make up crap on the spot exactly exactly it's a vicious cycle now jeremy you're getting ready to graduate so yeah. i mean you know about all this making stuff up that's called writing papers for academia <laughs> so, so so jeremy yeah. in writing in writing papers what yeah. is your approach let's say uh, a paper is due uh, in two weeks on Thursday, what is your course of action? I wait a week and a half and then I start writing it. Like a man. That's what I'm talking right. about. Good job, man. <laughs> you know what? I feel like, you know, Phil is doing it. He's going to listen to this podcast and he's going to say, you know, this wasn't worth trying to sell my house. <laughs> you guys laugh, but it's the TARDIS that makes these things happen. It's true. <laughs> Way to pull thought, it all together. Way to I thought Phil together. was the companion. Well, that's where he's at. Oh. <laughs> he's gone back in time to lower the price of his house or something. I don't know. It's very confusing. Mm. All right. Uh, Eric Dye here with Jeremy Smith. Say hello, Jeremy. Hello. And Casey Proctor. Hello. Uh, we'll make this the official start of the podcast. <laughs> During this episode of the Church Mag Podcast, we are going to talk about social media. And I don't know if you'd call it 2.0 or 3.0. It's it's funny, we recently posted about like social media 2014 trends or something to that effect. And they talked about in social media how one of the trends is taking the virtual and turning it into the real life, the reality, and kind of bridging that gap. I don't know if you'd call it social media 2.0 or 3.0. Maybe that's just lame to call it any point oh. But uh, what wh what do you guys think about that as far as the direction that social media is headed? Because it seems like one thing that you're hearing more and more online is there's a lot of noise. Um, I would definitely agree that there's a lot of noise out there. And I think while I have my own passionate opinions about whether or not or the degree to which, uh, quote unquote, youth are leaving Facebook or disengaging with social media, I think one of the things that social media needs to learn from that is uh, that kind of return or the pendulum swing back to reality. You know, uh, there's restaurants and resorts and, you know, places you can go where they're like, check your phone at the door. And uh, that's an actual selling point that they don't have Wi-Fi or the cell service is so bad you can't do anything. So people leave their phones and engage in real life and conversation. I think, well, first of all, one of the things in the back of my mind is Justin Wise in his book, Social Media Church, talks specifically about the fact that this is already happening, that the next generation is not going to see the gap between the online and the offline. And I think we probably could sit here and talk about the implications of this for organizations and for businesses and whatnot. But the reality is that this has a direct relationship to our faith. And we talked or you talked a little bit about it with um, uh, Kenny Jang, uh, how he was talking about the fact that you could take communion at home while you're watching a live stream. Or there's a huge debate on can evangelism and and discipleship happen in person. I'm, I personally am doing an academic paper specifically on can you feel empathy 
across social media, the implications for that for social media with youth ministry of can a youth worker truly convey the life of Christ, the the grace that comes with that, the the fact that I am truly listening to you and that they can actually accept Christ and become saved across the internet through evangelism. It has deep connections for social media, for the church. And I would say that, yes, we are at a place for something like this. The question is, how does that jive with our theology as well as our own practical understanding of relationships and, and people? Sure. Well, and I have, a, I have a kind of a question there. I'm an online pastor on the weekends. And so our church has a full online campus where asking those questions and people participate in worship because we, we live stream the full worship and the sermon. And so it's just as much as is possible, it's just like being there. Um, and then there's, you know, ways to interact during the service. Um, and then, you know, as there's our, also as our social media director, I'm engaging with our congregation and online audience through Facebook and Twitter. And so, um, I'm, I'm very interested. How do you answer theological questions? How do you answer technology questions that have a theological implication when the gap in technology between then and now is so vast? Well, I think it's really not as vast as you would believe in the sense that we could probably go back to the Gutenberg project and technically that's technology and right. we're, we're a lot of the time struggling with the same concern. Mm-hmm. What I think is interesting is up until this point, the topic and the discussion of social media and even the church for that matter is all about building a platform, building an audience, uh, cultivating that audience. It's it's like the first steps. And I feel like we have forgotten to ask a really important question, and that is, what now? We have the platform. What are you going to say? You have the audience. What are you going to say? And so many people have platforms. So many people have uh, – audiences. I mean, I saw someone tweet the other day something to the effect of 2014, the year everyone quits their job. It's like social media is this it has some fads that kind of go through it and I feel like social media either is one of those or we really need to figure out what the next step is. Social media fun, social media great, but what are we going to do with it and how do we really make it matter? Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, to In defense of that tweet, actually, it was from Justin Wise, uh, whose book I've also... We're just full of wise comments today. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and I read his book as well. And it's phenomenal because it really... And I, I liked it because he starts off with that theological question between technology and theology and uses the Gutenberg Press as an example. Um, and I've used that multiple... That analogy multiple times in talking with church leaders and folks who are really critical of social media. Um, and Eric, I love your question. What now? Because there has been this, there has been this trend, um, bringing it all back of, of platform building and like creating a place for your audience and stuff. Um, and then the humanity, the, the human factor of social media has been diluted. And I mean, just scroll through your, I think Twitter is probably the, the big, one of the biggest offenders. Yeah. It, re- it reminds me of the bugs life, the movie by Pixar. They come, they eat, they leave with Twitter. They come, they tweet, they leave. <laughs> it's the same thing. I love that. That's perfect because, you know, and I've been an offender as well where, you know, I'm just like, hey, I wrote something. I want someone to read it here. And I'm thinking of myself and my content and what I've created. And that attitude has transferred to the church. And I 
in some ways in social media because they're like, hey, come to our event. Hey, here's our sermon. Hey, watch our video. What instead of a you know, what can I do for you? A instead of a service mentality, it's a serve me mentality. Retweeted three times, touching the world for Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> Are you sure? So I think when you ask the question, what now? What's beyond the platform? I think that human factor is important. Um, I. Uh, not to self-reference, but I tweeted something yesterday, the day before, that was to pastors, and it would be applicable to, I think, any online marketer or creator, creative, is um, social media is not another pulpit to preach from or proclaim from. You're at a block party with the rest of us. Yes, and I retweeted that, which is essentially, amongst Christians, you might not know, that, know this, but a retweet is essentially an amen. <laughs> yes, I appreciated that. Thank you. Well, but I think that that's just an inherent understanding of what it means to evangelize. It's not necessarily the the whole discussion of offline online is probably the point here of I'm not going to go to my block party to pull out my Bible and start trying to convert everybody. I'm going to I personally am going to go to the block party to start learning people's names and, and in all likelihood, the church I attend, the block party is intentional to start having those relationships to invite people to church. And so in the back of my mind, that's the case, but I'm not going to go there to then start saying Bible verses and not listen to people, but have conversations. So right. it's, I would say it's less about what we're doing and more about the fact that it's how do you engage in real life and how do you engage in the online that, I'm going to be ageist here and I'm okay with that is the fact that people that are older don't see that. They see that as a dichotomy as opposed to an integration effect. Whereas the younger generation say, Oh, Hey, I just got your tweet. I'm meeting you at the mall in 10 minutes. And that's just life. It's not, that's a medium of communication. It's that's how our dialogue happens is it starts on Facebook, goes into real life, transitions to text messages, goes to a phone call, goes back to Facebook and nobody can keep up with it except these two people, and that's okay. Yeah, you know, I either blogged or tweeted or told my wife, I don't know. I broadcasted one way or another <laughs> a long time ago. And basically it was in regards to online evangelism and those kind of things. And not, not to knock those because those do have their places, okay? In a nutshell, it was if you really want to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ through social media, you need to do it just like you do in natural relationships. And that is you tweet a biblical worldview, your, your attitudes, your ideas, your comments, your opinions, all those things, just living life and being an example to those that are following you online. That is really just like what you just said, Jeremy. You said as far as the block party, the block party is there so that then maybe you can build relationships. That's how social media needs to be used, especially as we see this has been pointed out by experts, whoever those are in in the next age of social media, that we really need to bridge the gap between the digital to the analog. And that just reinforces that concept even further. You know, we've seen the videos online making fun of, you know, if Facebook was in, you know, face-to-face or if Twitter was face-to-face, what would that look like? And I think that that a lot of the quote-unquote evangelism that goes on regarding social media comes across that way, very awkward. Yeah, and here's my biggest dilemma that I don't have the answer to. Evangelism and discipleship online is not if but when. It's going to happen. 
Uh, we just need to figure out the best mode to be able to do something like this. But the concern for me... Isn't that the way it is in real life, yeah, though, yeah. Jeremy? Isn't that the way... I mean, yeah, that's the way it is in real life when you go to church, you know, and you're in your pew or after church and you're out for dinner or during the week. It's it's the same It's the same questions. It's just the medium is different. Well, it's the medium is different, and, and I totally agree with how John Dyer works this out. But the concern for me in all of this is... Social media is not your whole life. It's not everything that you present. When you sit down with a person and you are having that discussion, if you're sitting down with a teenager before or after a youth group, you get to see all of them whenever they are there present. And yet what social media does is it offers a way for you to demonstrate or present yourself. And let's be honest, we do not present our whole self onto social media. I present the best part of me however I want. Sometimes I complain, but there's a good positive purpose that eventually comes out of it. And so when, Eric, you see what's going on and you look at me and you're like, man, Jeremy's doing good, but you don't get to see my whole life unless I am truly being authentic and intentionally trying to engage with people in more than just the happy-go-lucky me. And yet everybody else that is on social media may not have that intentionality. And so how do you truly be authentic and genuine with someone on social media and how be able to express the fact that Jesus is the truth and the light and the hope for you whenever all you see online for that person is, look at me, I got to go to a concert. Look at me, my mom loves me. Look at me, I got an A on this paper. Everything is just wonderful. Nothing bad ever happens to me. How do you do something like that? Being genuine. And maybe that's why maybe that's why we've seen such a subset of social media groups with Snapchat and some of the other uh, less public and and greater niche social media groups, because, you know, the upcoming generation is going, you know, look, (laughs) you know, Facebook is like being out in public amongst anybody you know, or being around my parents. And then there are subgroups, smaller groups, where you're not going to be seen or heard by very many people. And most likely the most authentic person that you are engaging with online is people that you have never met before. I'm thinking myself. You, uh, Casey, Phil, people from 78 Productions, I am so authentic with them of the fact that I am struggling with my blog. I I am hating the fact that I have to go through this licensure process for my counseling degree. And so whenever I meet with my coworkers in real life and they ask how are things going oh things are great it's, it's an interesting <laughs> dichotomy of i am complaining about the fact that people are being well, inauthentic online and yet for me i am being more authentic with people online that i've never met before than with people that i've interacted with and by analyzing our real life interactions and our authenticity and the circles of people that we hang out with by looking at the real world we're beginning to see a correlation that the online is becoming very much the same so if you know approaching these 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 this problem or this question rather you can really approach the question equally online and offline and that's where i think the next level or the next phase or the next uh evolution of social media really is a lot less digital and a lot more real life the question is my pushback as i do is how do you help people be more authentic especially those that you know and i think that's the question that is going to be really difficult to answer until it becomes a norm that you need to just be true online and i don't know if that's something they'll become not to not to play the ageist card in the other direction, but I think that youth do this really well. If anyone, their yeah. filter is... There's cards? Uh, Wait a minute. There's cards? <laughs> <laughs> I've got mine. Did you not get yours? Dang it. 
Must have lost him in the move. Bottom drawer on the left. I under have no the, drawers. Under the, under the blue jeans. There are He's no drawers. <laughs> Man, I used the TARDIS last week. And you forgot to adjust the seats. I'm just saying. Still let me have the keys for a little bit. Social media's got inherent limitations because of the digital format, but that the limitations are by individual because you know yeah. as as Jeremy has pointed out you know you are becoming are already more authentic uh, with the three four of us than you are maybe generally online when you're just posting stuff in a Twitter feed but I would say that I follow plenty of people who just are bleeding hearts out there onto you know just they got no tricks up their sleeves they're just an open book. Um, sometimes it's exhausting, but so are real life relationships. And so, um, I think that when we, when we ask the question, you know, real quote unquote, real life is happening in physical world and the digital world and the two are, are melding. Um, I think that the youth do a good job of embracing that to a point, maybe unconsciously, but then I also wonder, you know, the Facebook that, and Twitter and Google plus and LinkedIn that we see today is going to look very different in five or 10 years. Like they may, they yeah. may very well still be around, but they're not going to look the same. Well, and it's probably more of a sense that's the older generation. I think of my parents, their vanity online is, or is, is not, they, they are very authentic online. And yet when you go and sit with them in person, the vanity level, the inauthenticity is super high. Whereas mm -hmm. the younger generation, it's the exact opposite. And so it's, it's probably a similar approach, but I don't know if it's necessarily going to be a great way of being able to do that because controlling your vanity in person is difficult, especially when there's emotions that you can't necessarily control. Social media, it's a lot easier to be able to control that pre presentation of self online. Sure. I would say it's more of a strategy that is less cookie cutter in the sense that you have intentionality and purpose and wherewithal of doing what you're supposed to be doing on social media, but it's what you are intending to do. And it's not, oh, I'm going to church mag to read the best social media tips because too many churches and ministries and individual pastors are going online and trying to do something, but they don't know what they're doing and they don't know how to measure it. And they don't know how to say I'm being successful. And I think you need to have a lot of free form in your strategy but you need to have intentionality about why I'm doing what I'm doing and not wasting time and having that distracted moment where I'm being personal social media instead of professional and I'm wasting a lot of time. I, from the survey that I had done that I'm writing this paper and then another ebook on, the biggest issue and concern is people feel like they're doing good social media and they hate the fact that teenagers are spending so much time on social media and yet their personal time on social media as opposed to professional is like 10 times higher they're easily distracted online and they're not necessarily <laughs> being intentional with what they're doing with social media to the point that without a strategy they're not going to be successful i think that you're zeroing on something really uh one uh profound and one really ironic because uh older quote-unquote people um are online complaining about teenagers being online zeroed in on a lack of strategy and i think that may accent a larger problem that you know a, a a social media presence without a strategy of some kind whether that's to be completely random or to be funny um yeah. like sam Rhodes, um or to be you know inspirational like bob goff 
they have a strategy of some kind. Without that strategy, their success success is ambiguous and not, I don't think, achievable. I would also say a life without purpose is very synonymous and runs parallel to that. So I think maybe what is happening in this case, at least in some instances, is people who don't feel that they have a purpose or who don't have a plan for their life or have goals and are just kind of winging it uh, take that same approach to social media and whether that winging it as, you know, part of their career where they're just like, I just show up, do my thing, go home, cash my check. You right. know, um, if they're taking that same approach to social media, they're going to get the same result. Do you think though, in, in that strategy, as you guys have outlined, you know, formulating a strategy and, you know, being able to establish some goals, whatever, that those goals and that strategy needs to bridge into real life results opposed to just, you know, online, which seems to be historically seems to be the only thing that people focus on as far as followers and, and these sort of things. I don't think that social media is anything but a tool and a communication device. And so if it's all focused on how you can do that tool well, then you're not doing evangelism or relationships. And so the fact of the matter is I'm not using a hammer for the sake of trying to build my skill level in hammering. I'm trying to use a hammer so that I can actually create something amazing and magical to the point that it has a purpose outside of what that hammer is. And so you're not using social media for the sake of social media. And too many people, so many people are using social media for the sake of trying to promote themselves on social media. But the sense of the matter is, is it's more than just what that tool does for you. Boom shakalaka. There you go. I'm not passionate about this at all. No, not at all. Yeah, I mean, like, you totally, you totally <laughs> put me to sleep with that. Good grief. <laughs> the other factor I think that Justin Wise does a great job of calling out in his book, The Social Church, is when you're talking from a stage, the conversation is a monologue going in one direction. When you're on social media, that has opened up the church and leaders to conversation. It goes both ways and being able to receive, not only being able to send a message out on such a wide open, broad spectrum in social media, but actually getting a response is something brand new for the church that it's still trying to navigate, I think. And Jeremy, clearly we're going to have to have you on to talk about your paper. Oh, cool. Just like dedicate yeah. talking about your paper because it sounds pretty epic. And, and Casey, you've done a pretty good job of making stuff up, so we might let you back on too. Thanks. You know, well, you know, it kind of comes with the territory when you're, you know, trying to corral uh, content into uh, a secret project for Church Mag. It, you know, it, it has some perks. But I think we should be clear in the future, you don't have to record the podcast in the car. You can listen to it but in the car, but you don't have to actually record it in the car. Hey. Real men recorded in the car. I'm just imagining you like all bunched up. Your knees are in your face. I know I saw you and you look comfortable, but like that's just uh, I'm feeling constrained as I'm imagining you in the car recording this. Well, I'm not. I mean, I haven't been in here for very long, you know, um, and I'm not a super tall guy, but uh, I, I've got the computer on the seat next to me. So I'm just sitting in the driver's seat, scooted back, lean, you know, with it lean back a little bit so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of relaxed yeah but I'm just wondering how this is going to work in the winter you know you're up 
at 6 a.m. <laughs> in your driveway and the windows are fogging up and you're out there with your computer. I mean, what are the neighbors going to say? <laughs> what is he doing? Well, you know, uh, well, 2014 is the year where everyone quits their job, so I could be recording this in a cardboard box. Then, Heck, you so. could be living. You could be living in your car. What would they care? Right? Well, and I'm looking at my setup. I have an external microphone that's like 10 pounds. I have my earbuds. I have my computer plugged in charging. The fact right. is my Wi-Fi is only going to go so far. Man, that sounds complicated to me. Well, actually, my car is strategically placed because I'm parked behind my house because our driveway kind of loops in behind the house. And then our Wi-Fi router is in the living room. So there's actually only one wall separating me from our Wi-Fi. So uh, apparently it's working great. So So you're like parked Mm -hmm. on the lawn? (laughs) (laughs) No, we... We don't really have a yard in the back. The driveway is only separated from the house by about six feet of what should be a garden, but it's actually just like a Chinese maple and a bush. Hmm. I don't do yard work, by the way. <laughs> no, because you park on it. <laughs> <laughs> I hate, so I, it's a totally unmacho thing to say, but I hate yard work. I hate mowing the grass. I hate picking weeds. I hate. Jeremy, have you stuff. ever thought of. It being manly to say, I like doing yard work. The manliest thing I could ever do is sit on a riding lawnmower for an hour. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what they meant by masculinity. Dude, you'd look fly <laughs> on a riding lawnmower. Like with a straw hat and a glass of lemonade, dude. Like, yeah. burning cookies out there. Dude, I could totally see that. Nothing says XY more than that. No, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. The Church Mag Podcast is proudly hosted on Buzzsprout.com. Oh. Hey, Bucky, you're right. Bye bye.